0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. And what a good morning it is. It's beautiful outside. It's beautiful inside. It's great to uh, see people getting baptized And uh, really making that confession of their faith publicly and being obedient to what the Word of God says. And it is well. It's well. We're uh, just thrilled, overjoyed for that. I'm going to talk a little bit about joy in a few minutes. Uh, I'll get into that. But I begin this morning with just a a little bit of a story. A couple weeks ago... I met with some pastors, local pastors, in and around our community here. And we, we had a round table of sorts. And what did we discuss? Well, I'll give you one guess, right? You know, how's, how's our churches doing with all the uh, pandemic issues, the coronavirus, everything that it's caused? And uh, We talked. One of the pastors had actually uh, had the virus, so he talked about how he dealt with that and uh, his congregation. Uh, others uh, talked about how they've been separated from the members of their church. You know, visiting is difficult, it's hard. We can't go to places like nursing homes and uh, even people's houses uh, sometimes we can't visit. We shared about all the digital things that we're doing. And how that's changed How we approach ministry And how it's really Likely going to be changing The future as well And All of us could relate We we could relate To people in our churches Who said oh I love coming to church In my pajamas with my coffee Yeah I've heard that yes uh, And we like I said, it may, be, it may be around for a long time. And we all agreed there's benefits. There is benefits to having an online presence and online ministries. But we also agreed there's benefits to what we're doing right now and being together and seeing people's faces and uh, having conversations one-on-one. Uh, we're, we're getting... Um, Accustomed, though, so many are getting accustomed to being able to take advantage of the digital presence. And, and one pastor wondered, will they ever be back? Are they ever going to be back to the sanctuary? And he said this, too. He said, I'm concerned that people are falling away from serving all of our churches we talked about, they, we provide opportunities for serving. And so many of you have served in these areas, these activities where the body of Christ comes together and they're active and they minister from you know, greeters, uh, ushers. We have people, valet and park cars, teachers from the littlest all the way to our most mature members. When we didn't have all this uh, shutdown because of the pandemic, we had multiple classes running every Sunday and during the week. And there were small group leaders and facilitators and support groups and all of those nursery workers. People were serving. And beyond the church, too, we're connected with local missions where it might be the... uh, The Macomb County Jail, where there's many people in the church here that would go and uh, serve as a Bible study leader or to some of the other local missions, whether it was some of the counseling-type missions or uh, compassion pregnancy, for example, to go and do Bible studies or to assist at those areas. And so many of them have been closed, or they're operating at these limited levels that, you know, I could see my fellow pastor had a point. With all of these areas of service curtailed, how is that affecting people? And has it affected their desire to serve? And I believe here at Bethesda, it really hasn't affected people's desire that this is a body that overwhelmingly wants to serve. What did we hear from Noah earlier? We had a 500% increase with serving at uh, the Sterling Heights Shine. Uh, because I, I really do believe there's uh, this desire to serve. But the question remains, how? How can I do this? And what do I do during this time of separation and quarantine? And I want to encourage you this morning toward that end, towards serving. Because I think serving too, it's a, it's a powerful antidote when, when you're feeling down. And when you're thinking about yourself or just thinking about the issues that are around, it's great to get your mind off of yourself. And there's an example in the New Testament where the church was suddenly disrupted. Now, have we been disrupted? I mean, since March has... Of course we have. Who saw this coming that we'd have to just wholesale change the way that we operate our ministries? Well, in the New Testament, there's this example of disruption, and there's some parallels. It's not exactly the same story. It wasn't a pandemic. But I think we might be able to draw something from this experience of the early church and how they experienced a serious, serious disruption to their ministry and how they conducted church. And I want to share that with you this morning and walk away encouraged I began, it began with a man named Stephen, this, this major interruption in the church. Stephen was one of the first deacons, and he was known as one of the seven. Later in the New Testament, it refers back to the seven. There was Stephen, and Philip, and Procorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and then Nicholas. Stephen, Philip, and Nicholas. Those are the ones. The rest of them, those are are tough names for me. But there was these seven. And these deacons were needed for the early church. And if you've read Acts chapter 6, you know it was because they had a specific need. There was widows in the church that were being overlooked in the daily distribution of the food So the apostles said, hey, we need some help. We need some help. We saw Brother Rob with that little, it was, this was like waiting, like a waiter. They were to be serving, and serving these widows that were overlooked in the food. But they were chosen not just because they could balance a plate on their hand. No, that's not really one of the requirements. It tells us in Acts chapter 6, they were chosen because they were men full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So faith and the Holy Spirit. These were some requirements for those who were going to serve. Now, Stephen, he was a deacon that was full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and he began to draw attention of some Jews who had no interest in Jesus. And it wasn't just because he was serving that he drew attention. It was because he was Speaking the word powerfully. He was evangelizing for Jesus powerfully. And there were signs going around him. And it stirred up the Jewish community and these leaders. And what did they do? They didn't like this. So they produced some false witnesses. They brought Stephen before a tribunal of the leaders. And Stephen defended himself. And he spoke boldly against these false accusations that these leaders brought. And he concluded by calling this tribunal a group of stiff-necked people who were like their ancestors who had killed all the prophets. And he followed up and he said, and you killed Jesus. You killed the Messiah. Well, the tribunal had heard enough at that point. And that was it for Stephen. They rushed him and they began to pelt him with stones until he was dead. And there was a Pharisee named Saul standing there. And he was watching. And this whole narrative covers the end of Acts 6, all of Acts chapter 7. And then Acts chapter 8 opens up and it gives us a postscript of the murder of Stephen. And I want to share that with you. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It reads, And Saul approved of their killing him, of killing Stephen. Saul was standing there watching. He approved. He approved. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Stephen was dead. The remaining six deacons, with much of the church now, they scattered. And the apostles holed up somewhere in Jerusalem. Now, was this a disruption to the church and its ministries? I I would say so. I would agree that this was a real disruption to the way the church conducted its ministries. Now, we've been disrupted. But at least there's not a murderous persecutor like Saul going from house to house dragging us off. I mean, the first church was scattered. But they didn't stop serving the Lord. Now, where did this church scatter to? They, they went to Judea and Samaria, Acts 8 tells us. And that mention of Samaria is very interesting this was jews remember that the church started with thousands of jews 3000 on the day of pentecost and then soon after that 5000 more thousands of jewish people who became christians they turned their lives over to christ they believed now that they go off to samaria and what were the samaritans and the jews like well they were like oil and water that's how they got along They could trace their bloodlines back to Abraham. They were cousins, so to speak. But there was deep racial and religious divide between these two peoples. There were animosities that run deep. And that went back for centuries and centuries. The Jews saw the Samaritans as heathens. They had tainted the the Jewish faith. They had tainted Judaism and all of its rites and ceremonies with pagan-type worship, and the Jews, they considered the Samaritans to be half-breeds and idol worshipers. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 9, John put it very plainly. Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So isn't it interesting that these Jews who now call on Christ, they're relatively new converts to Christianity, they go off to Samaria. They go off to a despised people. It's, it, it, it's interesting that this would happen. And we have an account of one of these deacons that went to Samaria and how he conducted himself. Was there hatred? Did, did he keep himself sequestered from those people? Did he hide? Well, his name was Philip. And he was named second after Stephen in the list of the seven. He was one of the first deacons. And Acts 8 gives us some of his story. Acts 8 uh, verses 4 to 8 pick up with Stephen or with Philip. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They had a purpose. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So Philip, despite the fact that the Samaritans were despised by the Jews, there was all this animosity, he goes right into Samaria. He goes right into this territory. He chose to go there. He chose to go to this territory of people that he would previously have considered less than himself. They were beneath him. They were people that had polluted Judaism. They were half-breeds. But now this big disruption comes to the church. The church ministries are interrupted. And that could be interpreted as a negative. We could look back to March and and count up all the negatives that have occurred to the ministries of the church. Or we could say, let's look at all the great things that have happened. Yes, there is things that caused pain and suffering— as occurred here in the first church. People were stoned. But there were some great positives that came out of this. The gospel was being spread. Barriers of racial hatred were falling away. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. These racial divides were falling. Philip, who was being persecuted for believing in Christ... Chased out of his own city. But he remained motivated to preach Jesus. Philip and all the others who were scattered, what did we read there in in Acts 8? They preached the word wherever they went. They were motivated by their faith in Christ. And as we read on in Acts 8, we find Philip continued serving and proclaiming Christ to the Samaritans. Now he discovered a receptive people people who were still following those pagan ways, people who were even involved in sorcery. As you read through Acts 8, you learn of one who was deep into that sorcery, but heard the gospel, heard the good news of Jesus, and turned away from his sorcery. His name was Simon. They called him Simon the Sorcerer. He was labeled for what he did. That was his vocation. But he believed the good news about Jesus. And he was baptized. Just like these this morning who professed their faith and they were baptized. This guy turned his back on uh, witchcraft, sorcery, and he turned his life over to Jesus. Because the church got interrupted. Because the ministries had felt some, some pain. Jews from Jerusalem now and their despised cousins from the north, these idol-worshipping Samaritans, they found something that they could agree on. A fractured and a a divided people began to get healed. These divisions were getting healed because of Jesus. And it continued. Let's read on from Acts 8. and uh, This is verses 14 to 17, and I'm going to add verse 25. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 25. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus... Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now what? These apostles that were hiding out, that were holed up in Jerusalem, they came out, and they went to Samaria. They came out from their isolation. They came out from being sequestered, and they went to Samaria. John, who was a man who once asked Jesus to call down fire on a Samaritan village. Now he's in Samaria praying over people. That's a remarkable change. That is remarkable only by Jesus. So we can see that receiving Jesus Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it affected people for the better. This long-standing hatred, it was forgotten. Division healed. Divided people united. The disruption to the church and its ministry, it upended people and how they were serving. But it was all for the kingdom of God. It was all for gain. They could have seen and they could have focused on the negative negative. But the kingdom of God, there was gain. Philip not only preached to the Samaritans, he settled in Samaria. He established a home in the city of Caesarea. He continued preaching Christ. And he became known as Philip the Evangelist. This is quite a turn of events, isn't it? Now, can we take away something from this for ourselves today? I I want to give you three things... You can probably come up with many more. But first, always be motivated by your faith in Jesus Christ. Philip did not let a monumental intrusion on his ministry. He had just been placed in the office of deacon to help with the widows of the church there in Jerusalem. But he stayed motivated. He stayed motivated by his faith in Christ when this huge interruption came to the church even though he was at a different place under different circumstances and there were different people and there was a threat to his very life remember Saul of Tarsus was going door to door and he was he left Jerusalem he was going towards Damascus he was coming north Philip's life was at risk, yet he remained motivated in spite of that risk. He could have hidden out. He could have hidden. He could have found a cave, maybe a safe house somewhere and just hold up himself. He could have huddled together with a few other believers, you know, just waiting it out, right? Let's wait for the persecution to subside. Let's wait for this trouble to go away. We could just sit inside, but he didn't. He didn't. No, he was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And that's what inspired him and impelled him to not hide out. But to what? Number two, to share Christ. I mean, Philip shared Christ. He could have chose to stop. He could have put his serving on hold. He could have said, hey, there'll be a time later where I'll be able to do that. Could have went on a hiatus, but he didn't. When someone or some circumstance seems to constrain your ministry, your serving, something that seems to constrain you from sharing Christ, be motivated by what Jesus has done for you and then share Christ. The church was persecuted Saul and his ilk were terrorizing. But instead of shrinking away, men like Stephen and others, they kept their serving going. And the church expanded during this time because the preaching didn't stop. So how about us today with, with all that's happened in our lives? Hey, can, can you share Jesus with a mask on? Of course. Of course we can. How about six feet away? Can we share Jesus six feet away from somebody? Yes, we can. We can talk about Jesus six feet from someone with a mask on. Have you stepped out of your your door lately? I'll tell you what, in my neighborhood, there are more people walking since March than ever before. Seriously, decades in the same neighborhood. I'm seeing people I've never seen before. And... I've had opportunities to strike up conversations. I was able to share with one of my neighbors just about some of the ministries we're doing online. Hey, you can connect to join us here. It's, it's really easy to talk about. We can still serve the Lord even if what we were doing at the church has been affected, if it's been curtailed if it's been put on hold. Now, speaking of on hold, remember I talked about being on hold? And I shared a story with you when we were talking about being on hold, a frustrating experience with a cable company. I'm sure you've all had it. And I told you how long and how frustrating and, you know, I was telling Alex, don't hang up on me, please. Don't take my number. But I want to give you the rest of the story. When I was able to talk with humans and not the robots, and with one of the human beings I was speaking with, we got to talking about the pandemic. Well, of course. And I mentioned something like this. I don't know exactly what I said. I said something like, you know, I know it's affected so many people in their lives, but there's a lot of good happening. And I get this on the other end. Well, oh, You kind of sound positive. Why are you so positive? The door opens wide right there. The door opens wide. Let me tell you why I'm so positive. Because this is not the only life that we have. Do you know there's an eternal life boom, we can start talking about Jesus. I can talk about Jesus to the cable guy. And you know what? I'm the customer. He can't hang up on me. That's a great thing. So you can continue to serve. Regardless, if, if you're used to greeting people at the front of the church and and sharing a little bit with them, well, hey, maybe you got to greet your neighbors or talk on the phone. Uh, we had a great conversation, me and that that was the third. It was the third human I had talked to on that cable uh, call. And actually, he said, I'm glad I got to talk to you today. So th- that really was uplifting. I'll give you another example. I was on the phone this week with one of our members who uh, regularly had visited a nursing home. Once a week, was at a nursing home, uh, did a little class. And I asked, hey, have you been able to go back yet? And the answer was no. No no, I, I can't go back, but I call every day. And I talked to two residents that have been there for a long time, and he said there was one lady in particular in her 90s, and he said, I read to her every single day one of Charles Spurgeon's daily devotions. And I thought, wow. Hey, well, that's a great way to look beyond being stuck found a new way. Now, you might feel shut in, but the gospel doesn't have to be shut out. If your avenue of serving's been blocked, if, it, if you feel like it's been hindered, try a new route. You can continue to serve, just like those who served yesterday at the uh, Sterling Heights Shine Project. So, a, a third point I want to make is keep your joy. Be motivated by Jesus Share him, share Christ, and keep your joy. In this Samaritan city where Philip preached, the people believed they were baptized. And we read there was great joy in that city. Great joy in learning about Jesus and his atonement for sin. It it set people free from the bondage of sin. And they learn there's eternal life and they don't have to be in the bondage of sin and death forever. Joy in that discovery that Jesus died and he rose again on the third day and he promised a resurrection for all. Philip kept his joy. I can imagine he had to have joy. He was sharing the joy of his salvation with people he probably didn't associate with not too much before that despite the fact that Philip's church had been totally turned around. It was upside down. His friend Stephen had been killed and he had to run from Jerusalem. His life was at risk, but he did not drop his joy. He he wasn't serving as he did as a deacon in Jerusalem. He wasn't visiting the widows as he had done. But he kept on serving, kept on serving, sharing his joy. You know, coronavirus and all the things it's brought, the election and all the chaos and angst it's caused, people, don't let it steal your joy, the joy of your salvation. Jesus is bigger than all of that. You know, I know many of you, you've served in various areas of the church. And of course, the church is grateful. The church wouldn't be what it is without so many serving. But I also understand a lot of those areas have been shuttered. Don't let it steal your joy. Don't go idle. The best antidote for the joy-stealing circumstances is getting that stuff off your mind and getting your mind off of yourself and looking toward others and thinking about serving others. See others and see different ways to serve them. They're all around us. Be motivated by your faith in Christ. Share Christ. And be reminded of the joy of your salvation and carry it with you. It is well. It is well. Share that joy. Eternal life. And be empowered by the same Holy Spirit that empowered a man like Philip in that early church to look way beyond his circumstances and keep serving the Lord and keep serving others.